Book 8, Chapter 5 of A Class Book of Old Testament History by G. F. MacLear. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cliff Stone of Sydney, Australia. A Class Book of Old Testament History by G. F. MacLear. Book 8, Chapter 5. Saul and the Amalekites, David and Goliath, 1 Samuel chapters 15 through 17, B.C. 1079 to 1063. This signal victory materially confirmed Saul's supremacy. Acting no longer merely on the defensive, he now directed expeditions against Moab, Ammon, Edom, and even the king of Zobah, a region east of Coel Syria and extending toward the Euphrates. While in the full tide of his success, he received a visit from Samuel, who on the strength of a divine command, entrusted him with a commission, which he was to execute to the very letter. The treacherous hostility of the powerful tribe of Amalek, when they fell upon the exhausted rear of the Israelites at their departure from Egypt, had not been forgotten by God. Exodus 17 verses 8 and 14, Numbers 24 and verse 20. Since then they had, on more than one occasion, evinced the same hostility. They were now devoted to utter destruction. Go and smite Amalek, ran the divine commission. Utterly destroy all they have. Spare them not. Slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. First Samuel 15 verses 2 and 3 Thereupon, Saul mustered a force of 210,000 at Telaim in southern Judah, and after warning the Kenites to betake themselves to a place of safety, he attacked the Amalekites and smote them from Havilah to Shur. All the people he utterly destroyed, but in direct violation of the express instructions he had received, spared all the best of the spoil and Agag the Amalekite king. Returning from this expedition, he set up a place, or probably a monument, of his victory at Carmel, in the mountainous country of Judah, and thence repaired to Gilgal. A divine intimation had already made known to Samuel how imperfectly the king had executed his commission, and with a heavy heart he went forth to meet him. With a haste which betrayed the misgivings of his conscience, Saul no sooner saw the prophet than he boasted of his execution of the divine mandate. But Samuel was not thus to be deceived. The bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of oxen on all sides revealed but too clearly the lax interpretation which Saul had chosen to put upon his instructions, and he only increased his condemnation by trying to throw the blame of his own shortcomings upon the people, who he declared had spared the best of the spoil, to sacrifice to Jehovah. The prophet sternly reminded him that Jehovah had far more delight in obedience to his commands than in burnt offerings and sacrifices, and for the second time intimated that the continuance of his dynasty was forfeited. He had rejected the word of God, and the Lord had rejected him from being king. 1 Samuel 15 verses 12 through 23. With much contrition, Saul then confessed his error, and as the prophet turned to depart, grasped the skirt of his mantle to induce him to stay. The mantle rent, and Samuel interpreted the omen. 
the Lord had rent the kingdom from its unworthy head and designed it for a neighbour of his, who was better than he. Without denying the justice of the sentence, Saul entreated the granting of one concession, imploring Samuel to honour him before the elders of his people and turn with him and worship Jehovah. The prophet yielded and for the last time the two offered sacrifice together. But if Saul had neglected his duty, Samuel could not forget the captive king whom the divine decree had devoted to death. He ordered Agag to be brought before him. The king came forward delicately, remarking as if to disarm hostility, surely the bitterness of death is past. As thy sword, rejoined the prophet, hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. And he hewed him in pieces before the Lord. The commission of Jehovah thus vindicated, Saul returned to Gibeah and Samuel to Ramah, there to mourn for one whose career, once so hopeful, was now obscured with such dark forebodings of coming doom. 1 Samuel 15 verses 24 to 35 The sorrow of Samuel for Saul's shortcomings was real, but he was before long roused from his grief by a divine commission to take a horn of oil and go to Bethlehem, there to anoint another king. Fear lest the purport of his errand should reach Saul's ears would have deterred him from venturing on the journey, but he was bidden to take a heifer and invite the elders of the town to a sacrificial feast. In obedience to this command, he left Ramah and proceeded on his way. As he ascended the long grey hill leading to the village, his approach was discerned by the elders who trembled when they saw the venerable prophet. Comest thou peaceably? they inquired anxiously. Peaceably was the reply, and they were bidden to prepare to accompany him to the feast. Amongst those invited on this occasion was Jesse, sprung from one of the oldest families in the place, the son of Obed and grandson of the Moabites Ruth. He was an aged man at this time, and the father of eight sons, of whom seven now accompanied him to the feast. 1 Samuel 17 verse 12 when they were all assembled and waiting to commence, the prophet looked upon the eldest, the tall Eliab, and thought that of a surety he beheld the Lord's anointed. But the divine voice bade him not to look upon his countenance or the height of his stature. For the Lord, who looketh not upon the outward appearance, but upon the heart, had refused him. Then the old man's second son, Abinadab, passed before him, and his third son, Shammah, and after them four other sons, but the Lord had chosen none of them. Are here all thy children? inquired Samuel. There remaineth yet the youngest, said Jesse, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. Send and fetch him, rejoined the prophet. Till he come hither, we cannot sit around. First Samuel 16, verse 11, margin. Accordingly, a messenger was sent to the sheepfolds and brought in the youngest, David, the beloved, the darling, the Benjamin of Jesse's house. With his shepherd's staff in his hand, his scrip or wallet round his neck, 1 Samuel 17 verse 40, a mere stripling beside the tall Eliab, ruddy or auburn-haired with fair bright eyes, comely and goodly to look to, 1 Samuel 16 verses 12 and 18, he stood before the prophet. Arise, anoint him, for this is he, whispered the divine voice. And there in the midst of his brethren and the assembled elders, Samuel poured upon him the consecrated oil, 
on which the feast so long delayed was celebrated, and Samuel rose up and returned to Ramah. See Psalm 78 verses 70 to 72. Meanwhile, the Spirit of God, which came upon David from that day forward, departed from Saul, and an evil spirit troubled him. 1 Samuel 16 verse 14. He became moody and liable to fits of sudden frenzy. To rouse him from this distressing state, his servants advised that a clever player on the harp should be sent for, that by the charms of his music he might soothe his spirit. When inquiry was made for such a minstrel, one of the royal servants mentioned the name of the son of Jesse as not only cunning in playing, but of tried valour, prudent in speech, comely in person, and prospered with the blessing of the Lord. 1 Samuel 16 verse 18 Saul thereupon sent for him, and Jesse dispatched him with a humble offering. Even the troubled spirit of the king was soothed by the music of the future psalmist of Israel. He loved him, and made him not only his minstrel, but his armour-bearer, and retained him about his person. 1 Samuel 16 verse 21 When the paroxysms of Saul's malady abated, David would seem to have returned to his old occupations on the bleak downs of Bethlehem, where his faithfulness in a few things fitted him to become a ruler over many things. His shepherd life called into action some of the best qualities in human nature. Firmness, nerve, energy and constancy were all required of him, who would in true devotion to his calling endure the heat by day and the frost by night. Genesis 31 verse 40 Climb narrow ledges and scale lofty precipices in quest of pasture for his flocks, and defend them against wild beasts such as lions and wolves, bears and panthers, or robbers of the desert. All these tests David had stood. His strength and courage were well known beyond the boundaries of his native village. Once during his solitary shepherd life, a lion, and at another time a bear, attacked his father's flock. He fled not like a hireling shepherd, but put his life in his hand and went after them and slew them. 1 Samuel 17 verses 34 to 37 Meanwhile, the ever-active Philistines had once more risen in arms against the Israelites. Gathering together their forces, they took up a position on a height, which, probably from being the scene of frequent sanguinary encounters, was known as Ephes Damim, the boundary of blood, situated on the frontier hills of Judah between Soko and Azekar. Separated from their foes by a deep ravine or glen, Saul and his followers pitched on the north side of the valley of Elah, the Terebinth. For forty mornings and evenings there descended into this valley from the camp of the Philistines a giant named Goliath of Gath. Of enormous height and clad in complete armour, he openly defied any one of the Hebrew hosts to mortal combat and offered to stake the supremacy of either people on the issue. Even the tall majestic Saul declined the challenge, and, like his people, was dismayed and greatly afraid. 1 Samuel 17 and verse 11 While the two armies thus stood confronting each other, early one morning David entered the camp, having been bidden by his father to visit his three eldest brothers, then serving in the army. As he drew near the outskirts of the camp, the host with the well-known war cry was advancing to take up its daily position in battle array. Hastily leaving with the keeper of the baggage the provisions which his father had sent as a present to their captain, he hurried within the lines and was in the act of saluting his brethren 
when the voice of the giant was audible calling across the ravine his morning challenge. David heard his words of haughty defiance, and lost in wonder at the despondency of the people, listened eagerly to the bystanders as they recounted the reward which the king had promised to bestow on anyone who was willing to accept the giant's challenge and slew him in the fight. Heeding nothing the taunts of his eldest brother Eliab, who would have had him mind the few sheep he had left amidst the pastures of Bethlehem, instead of coming thither to see the battle, he went from soldier to soldier, listening again and again to the account of the king's promised reward, till at length his bold defiance of the giant reached the ears of Saul. 1 Samuel 17 verse 31 Summoned into the royal presence, David declared his readiness to go forth and encounter his gigantic foe, and at Saul's request tried on his armour, which however did not fit him, and he speedily put it off again. Then, choosing five smooth stones from the dry torrent bed which ran through the ravine, he placed them in his shepherd's scrip, and with his staff in one hand and a sling in the other, drew near the Philistine. The latter, enraged at the youthful appearance of his assailant, cursed him by his gods and threatened to give his flesh to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Undismayed, David returned threat for threat, and as his foe drew near, put his hand into his bag and took thence a stone, which he slang with all his might and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Then, without delay, he stood upon the prostrate body and, drawing the giant's huge sword from its sheath, finished the work by cutting off his head. The sight of their champion lying weltering in his blood filled the Philistines with consternation, and they commenced a precipitate flight. Raising their well-known war cry, the Israelites then rushed across the ravine and up the opposite heights and chased their foes to the gates of Ekron and Gath and spoiled their tents. On their return, the youthful warrior, who had in so signal a manner proved that the Lord saved not with sword and spear, bearing the head of his gigantic enemy in his hand, was conducted to Saul's tent by Abner, the king's uncle and captain of the host. Some two or three years had probably elapsed since the days when David soothed Saul's melancholy with the strings of his harp, and, in his altered visage, the king did not recognize his former minstrel, but he now took him permanently into his service and would let him no more return to his father's house. 1 Samuel 18 verse 2 End of Book 8, Chapter 5 of A Class Book of Old Testament History by G. F. McClear Recording by Cliffstone of Sydney, Australia